0: This is not the day that repeats, and to my knowledge, there are no important prognostications or forecasts that I am aware of, but this is the first day of the second month of the current year, and there may be sayings that I am not saying, except to say hello and welcome to the February 1st edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement, a newsletter and podcast that does repeat, in the sense that it comes out as often as possible. I'm Sean Tubbs, and here are the things I have to say... On today's program, the University of Virginia is in the early stages of creating a new master plan for the future of its land use. A bill to extend oyster season is one of several bills that have passed the Virginia Senate. And the housing market in the Charlottesville area shows signs of cooling down. In today's first subscriber-supported public service announcement, that goes to Camp Albemarle, which has for 60 years been a wholesome, rural, rustic, and restful site for youth activities, church groups, civic events, and occasional private programs. Located on 14 acres on the banks of the Mormons River near Free Union, Camp Albemarle continues as a legacy of being a Civilian Conservation Corps project that sought to promote the importance of rural activities. Camp Albemarle seeks support for a plan to winterize the Hamner Lodge, a structure built in 1941 by the CCC and used by every 4th and 5th grade student in Charlottesville and Albemarle for the study of ecology for over 20 years. If this campaign is successful, Camp Albemarle could operate year-round. Consider your support by visiting campalbemarlevaorg donate. COVID's Omicron surge continues to recede, though numbers are still higher than at most points of the pandemic. Today, the Virginia Department of Health reports another 6,055 new cases, and the seven-day percent positivity has dropped to 24.5 percent. The Blue Ridge Health District reports another 130 new cases today, and the percent positivity in the district is at 22.4 percent. Yesterday, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration fully approved the Moderna version of the COVID-19 vaccine. The vaccine has been authorized for emergency use since December 18, 2020, and will now be marketed as SpikeVax. February 1st marks the beginning of Black History Month, and Governor Glenn Youngkin has issued a proclamation to mark the occasion that cites leadership provided by black Virginians, including former Governor Doug Wilder, as well as current Lieutenant Governor Winsome Earls Sears. She's the first woman of color to be elected to statewide office. The proclamation also recognizes the roles played by Dr. Robert Russa Moton, Maggie Lena Walker, and Dorothy Height, In the newsletter, if you click on the links underneath their names, that link will go to Encyclopedia Virginia, where you can learn more about the roles that they have played. There will be more about Black History Month all month long here on Charlottesville Community Engagement and in all of the other months as well. The housing market in the Charlottesville area continued to increase in price with constrained inventory, though there are signs of cooling in the market. Sales were down 5%, but sales prices were up 6%, according to an analysis published this morning by the Charlottesville Area Association of Realtors for the fourth quarter of 2021. Here's a section from that report. There were 436 active listings across the car footprint at the end of the fourth quarter, which is 33 percent fewer listings than this time last year. The report suggests more homes are on the way. Housing construction was up 34 percent in the first 11 months of 2021 compared to the previous year. Between 2020 and 2021, the number of permits for new single-family homes increased by 15%, while the number of permits for multifamily units more than doubled. The report also breaks matters down by jurisdiction. Sales were up 14% in Charlottesville in the fourth quarter of 2021 and up 15% in Greene County. However, sales were down 14% in Fluvanna and 38% in Nelson. The median price in Charlottesville was down 1%, but the median price was 26% higher in Nelson. Check out the report for more information on consumer confidence, mortgage interest rates, employment, and many other economic indicators. Let's continue today with another quick update on the status of some legislation in the Virginia General Assembly, beginning with a bill that has passed the House of Delegates. The House passed a bill 99-0 to to require companies that charge for services on a continuing basis to notify the customer at the end of a seven-day trial period. The Senate has passed a bill 40-0 to zero to direct the Department of Education to develop policies to inform coaches, parents, and guardians about the risks of heat-related illness. The Senate also passed a bill to direct the State Registrar of Vital Records to update the Department of Elections once a week with the names of people who have died. That vote was 32-8. to eight. The two parties split 21-19 to on a bill to create the Renal Disease Council and a fund to support people with kidney disease. Another party-line vote was held on a bill that would require law enforcement officers to tell a motorist why they had been pulled over before identification must be presented. A bill that would clarify the definition of composting also passed the Senate on a unanimous vote. Food manufacturers that operate in historic buildings would be exempt from certain laws and regulations if Senate Bill 305 also passes the House of Delegates. The Senate did pass this bill from Senator Cree Deeds. The Senate also passed a bill, 39 to 1, to create the Historic Triangle Recreational Facilities Authority to be made up of Williamsburg and the counties of James City and York. And finally, a bill to extend oyster season to March 31st passed the Senate on a 39-0 to 0 vote. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and it's time for a second shout-out. This one goes out to Code for Charlottesville. They are seeking volunteers who have tech, data, design, and research skills to work on a whole bunch of community service projects. Code for Charlottesville was founded in 2019 and its people have worked on projects such as an expungement project with the Legal Aid Justice Center. They've mapped out Charlottesville streetlights and they put something together called the Charlottesville Housing Hub. There's so many other projects, and you can visit CodeForSeaVille.org to learn more and to possibly suggest your own. That's CodeForSeaVille.org. Thank you for letting me do a shout-out. One big long story to end today. Readers and listeners should know by now that planning is a constant theme of Charlottesville community engagement. Tonight, the Albemarle Planning Commission will get an update on the county's comprehensive plan update process, something called AC44. Staff and consultants are at work on the third phase of Charlottesville's Seville Plans Together initiative, which will see the rewriting of the city's zoning code. But how does the University of Virginia plan for its future? something called the Grounds Framework Plan. Julia Monteith is the Associate University Planner, and she briefed the Charlottesville-Albemarle Metropolitan Planning Organization on January 26th.
1: The last um, one of these that we did was completed in 2008, and we roughly do them on a 10-year cycle.
0: Creation of the next plan was to have begun in 2020, but as with many things, the pandemic got in the way.
1: The world had other plans for us, so the project went on hold.
0: Last spring, UVA hired a consultant called Urban Strategies to do some background work. The firm from Toronto recently completed a master plan for Princeton University. Now it's time for them to take on UVA.
1: In terms of the schedule um, we started last summer, this plan will take about a year. They're planning to wrap it up um, in fall of next year. And so, um, to date, what they've been doing is really coming up to speed, um, doing a background review, data assembly, um, interviews, and quite a bit of analysis and understanding of um, who we are and what we've done to date.
0: Monteith said the plan will help to physically implement the Great and Good University Plan. That was adopted in August of 2019 as UVA's strategic plan. One of the strategic goals in that document is to be a strong partner with and good neighbor to the Charlottesville region. A key initiative is the Good Neighbor Program. The next grounds framework will update the 2008 plan, which Monteith said called for compact growth and redevelopment of existing sites where possible.
1: We'll be considering the grounds. um, For those who who may not be familiar, we uh, delineate the grounds into three precincts, central grounds, west grounds and north grounds. Um, Of course, with the academical village at the center of central grounds.
0: All of those properties are owned by the state of Virginia through the Rector of the Board of Visitors. The University of Virginia Foundation also owns property throughout the community, and some of that will also be addressed in the plan update.
1: We're also going to be considering the context of some of the foundation properties, UVA Foundation, so Westover, Boarshead, Birdwood, Foxhaven. And Blue
0: Ridge. In the context of the plan, these properties are not intended for new facilities anytime soon but instead are intended to be spheres of influence with development well into the future. Monteith said there is a lot of capacity for redevelopment within the central grounds area. Urban strategies will also take into account a strategic framework for academic space from 2018 and a landscape framework plan from 2019. There's also a key transportation study as well.
1: In 2019, we completed uh, our third parking and transportation plan. And this plan really takes a a hybrid approach towards transportation that really looks at uh, transportation demand management balanced with more traditional transportation planning.
0: Among other things, this plan seeks to limit the number of new parking spaces that UVA will need to build by offering alternatives to driving alone in a single occupancy vehicle. In all, there are 18 strategies in the plan, ranging from reorganize commuter and student parking to reduce event impact and enhance commuter service to evaluate the need to build new parking facilities in the long term. Back to the idea of redevelopment. Monteith said a master plan is completed for each specific zone before construction begins. That includes Brandon Avenue, Emmett Ivy, Ivy Mountain, Fontaine, and more. There's also Ivy Gardens, which is owned currently by the UVA Foundation. The grounds framework plan is intended to bring it all together. A
1: framework plan of this type is gonna be looking at place and character, land use and facilities, and transportation and connectivity but equally important to us are equity and inclusivity, community well-being, and sustainability.
0: One theme is to continue to move more medical programs and outpatient services from the West Complex to the Fontaine Research Park. UVA has set a goal to be carbon neutral by 2030 and fossil free by 2050, and the grounds plan will take this into account and how UVA will work with Albemarle and Charlottesville to achieve those mutual goals, as well as others.
1: Of course, I think you're all aware that UVA is committed to uh, facilitating the development of 1,000 to 1,500 affordable units, so that's part of our discussion also.
0: Those are at the UVA North Fork Discovery Park, the Piedmont site on Fontaine Avenue, and Wortland Street. Monteith said the grounds plan will also provide opportunities to think how the University Transit Service can work better with Charlottesville Area Transit and Jaunt to improve the regional transit system. Supervisor Ann Malick said she wants the university to consider making an investment to connect Old Ivy Road to points south. At the eastern end, there's currently a narrow railroad tunnel with no sidewalk or other concessions for pedestrians, and Malik said that needs to change.
1: So I do hope that the university will take on its responsibility for dealing with that trestle, either a walk over the top or something for pedestrians, because it really is dangerous for every day for the people who live there now.
0: Monteith said Old Ivy Road is the responsibility of the Virginia Department of Transportation, and she said the university is working with VDOT to study potential solutions for both ends of the roadway. In addition to the Ivy Apartments, Gray Star Development is seeking to build over 400 units at the western end of the roadway.
1: We're waiting to hear back from um, what the thinking is to approach that, and long term, um, it is. Uh, it's been discussed that it's a priority for the county um, should funding appear, but that's a, it's a quite a challenge to figure out how to um, realign the road to better um, move through that um, railroad trestle.
0: More information on the development of this plan and the implementation of the plans will come in future installments of Charlottesville Community Engagement. This is kind of the purpose for why this show exists. And that's it for the existence of this edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement. As you have heard, there's a lot that's going on in the community and the whole idea of this program is to try to put it together in a way that makes sense and hopefully gets you asking questions and you seeing how all the pieces fit together or maybe don't fit together. It is a great opportunity to learn about this community and that's why I produce it. Now what I'm hoping for is that some of you will decide to pay for it and a lot of you are already doing so and i cannot tell you how thankful i am to every single person who has chipped in some cash in order to make sure i can keep doing this as often as i can that's the point Uh, The world is a confusing place, and my hope is to make it less so, and that's why I do this as often as I can. If you would like to support this program, please go to infoSeville.com and click on the Support the Info button. What you'll see there is a little bit more information about what Patreon does, and of course tells you a little bit more about how, if you subscribe through Substack, that Ting will match your initial amount. And actually, today I'm going to send them an invoice, which is fantastic, because I want to keep doing this program. I'm assuming you all want to keep hearing it. So we're going to work this out. I am Sean Tubbs, the host of this program. Thank you so much. Stay safe out there today. Be safe. It's going to warm up a little bit, but it's still winter. And take that into account. Thanks for listening and goodbye.